think the thugs are being treated very unfairly in this country. They're afraid to do anything because they don't want to lose their jobs. I have thousands of people saying thug crowd. It's fantastic, okay? So I was thinking about thug crowd. I'm the biggest fan. And I know a lot about hacking, and hacking is a very hard thing to prove. The security aspect of cyber is very, very tough, and maybe it's, it's hardly doable. And I think Secretary Clinton and myself would agree very much when you look at what thug crowd is doing with the internet, they're beating us at our own game. Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner Everybody, Yo. welcome, welcome Out. to Thug Crowd 2019. Special day, very today. 2019. Why is that? It's, today is actually the uh, the anniversary of Bitcoin 0.1 release. Oh, Dang. nice! How many years has it been that we've been locked into this shill? <laughs> uh, so it was uh, January 8th. 2009 the the was was released on a cryptography mailing list by satoshi hell yeah plummeting right towards its original value as well great <laughs> bottle game amazing all the way it's gonna be a million dollars by 2020 <laughs> we're gonna have yeah. to ask if john mcafee when he if he does come on the podcast if he is actually on his eater's deck <laughs> Uh, he said he's going to outsource the job. <laughs> so yeah, that's the uh, uh, the ten year anniversary then of uh, of Bitcoin. Oh yeah, I remember um, trying to mine it, being able to mine it on this really crappy computer, and I don't know where those coins went. So, <laughs> oh, good stuff. I mined hey, it, and it. It sent me to to put me on a. A plane or two. That's fun. It was a good run. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's been a. It's been a. We've been gone for the past uh, two two weeks or so. Um. Yeah. So it's been it's Christmas and uh, New Year's. So we've not been on for a bit. I'm still getting uh getting used to being on the air again. I guess it's, it's a whole new experience, huh? Um, <laughs> All over again. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Whole another year of this, but yeah, we're we're coming up on our one year anniversary of this and a mm. bunch of other cool stuff. So we have a lot of cool guests lined up. Like I think twenty, you said twenty uh, twenty nineteen is gonna be the year of the Thug Desktop. I think someone said. Yep. Twenty nineteen will be the year of the Thug Desktop. All right. Amazing. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we have a really cool show tonight. Um, we have Andrew Morris from graynoise.io. And they're a really cool um, project and company that does some really interesting stuff with scanning and honeypots and somehow able to identify all of our scanners. We just give them the IP. He just knows what we've been doing. So he's like the Santa Claus of internet scanners. It's pretty amazing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of um, interesting news. Um, this episode may or may not be brought to you by Stakem. Um, they will not, uh, they, so they had asked, they told us that if, um, I asked how many likes it would take for them to sponsor us. And then they said too many. And then they responded after getting several thousand likes that, um, there was, <laughs> that it was out of control and they still have not agreed, nor have they even commented on the blinking ASCII art in the, um, show notes. So I think that. If Stakem won't sponsor us, I feel like we probably never will be, um, but that's okay. Um, we also have a special message from Donald Trump, which I'll read here. Um, it was it was it was broadcast to Wall um, on our on our thugcrowd.com system. Uh, it was I, I've been hearing a lot lately about a dangerous gang that has infiltrated numerous caravans called MS17-010 or Azul Eterno. They have caused global terror around the world, and some say that they were actively funded, actually funded by taxpayer dollars. We must secure our borders and stop this scourge and prevent the spread of their reign of terror. And by executive order, we are banning the Samba in order to, and then somebody control seed out of that message. So I don't know what happened, um, but that's a very important message. And I think everybody should research MS17-010 and the havoc that they are wreaking across the globe and within all these migrant caravans. So I heard um, spread the word. The, uh, one of the largest and, and most deadly gangs. Yeah, the and they, they, I heard the NSA actually actively used taxpayer dollars to develop these people. So we'll oh. see. The deep state. Anyway, yeah, sure. Deep state conspiracy, MS-17-010, spread the word. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> Does anybody have any uh, cool stories of anything they did over the past two weeks we've been gone? <laughs> I, so i did a weird thing by putting like a vpn over tor over a vpn that was kind of interesting i really nice. drove a device to factory reset fucking chrome cast yeah i started playing with my with a dremel and started like Fucking with PCBs, like cutting bits of PCB and sanding back traces and stuff. I mean, awesome. no Joe Grand stuff. Not everything went in the bin. Like it, it wasn't successful, but like, practice, practice. Yeah, I started playing with about the same stuff too, man. Uh, PCB uh, cutting on a uh, small desktop mill. Just started doing yeah. the last couple of days. It's fun. Yeah, I did the checking insert stream uh, and finding fishing sites before they were up. And then pulling down the fishing kits with all their the Fisher's PII in it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, no, I feel like I feel like the ominous laughter from everybody when asking what everyone's done is uh, very telling, and very nice. So I'm glad, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad everybody had a productive break. We're putting that question out to like us, a group of geeks, and we're like, uh, well, I mean, I sat alone a lot. 
<laughs> Who'd you hang out what with? What would my life uh, be like if I wasn't in front of a computer? I, I spent a whopping 24 hours in voice chat. Uh, uh. Yeah, that's actually something, uh, no joking, that our voice chat has been pretty active. So if you want to come and talk to internet computer hackers, our voice chat for some reason has decided to get yeah, it's yeah. been pretty off the chain. I've been surprised though, because it's it's cool. Our community is definitely growing. We have over nine hundred people in our in our Discord now, which is awesome. And we have a lot of people that keep joining, or rent, or people that join every day that are cool and contributing. So please get involved. Uh, our link is elite.club, which I will post again in here. Um, definitely awesome stuff, because our community is becoming more and more vibrant every day. And it's interesting to see the kind of cool stuff that comes out of it. Um, so hell yeah. Um, let's get into the news. We have a bit of stories and I have kind of a mismatch of stories that I picked because there's a lot of stuff that happened and I didn't want to do stuff that was beaten to death. So we can kind of just go over some of the highlights of the past uh, two weeks of things that we haven't actually talked about. So Friday. Um, all right, so the first one here, actually this is interesting. So the FCC is investigating the uh, 911 outage, um, the CenturyLink. Um, this is in very interesting stuff because I, when I saw this, I wasn't sure if this was a, I wasn't sure if it was like an actual glitch. And then the more that I think about it, the more I realize it, I, or the more that I think it's actually just somebody testing something. Yeah, the only update to this news story though is the FCC closed, so sad face. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they were investigating this and uh, rip, but they, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what the deal is. I think though that there's been so much, inf or so much coverage over the years of how just absolutely god awful the E911 system is. I read about the spec of E911 in like frack, and it was an issue from like 1990, and it's like the same thing that they still use. Um, so it's, it's definitely been, it's been so horribly updated though to be like so cloud uh dependent it's mm -hmm. fucking, it's god awful it's really just a nightmare yeah it's um it's funny like in australia you you can dial 911 but it's not actually the number the number is triple zero um however when you sign up to a voip service in australia like if you have a voip phone through your like telco provider as opposed to so if like you have fiber to your house, there's uh, FXP ports on um, the network termination device, which is just, mm -hmm. a, you know, it's a, it's a literally a Linux box. But um, but yeah, like that will dial triple zero uh, in a blackout. Like there has to be a, a power outage. But if you get a VoIP phone, you actually waive your right to be able to dial emergency services from that. What? Yeah, wait, yeah. what? Say that again? <laughs> So you, you sign a thing, you sign a waiver that says like, yeah, I understand I can't, I'm not being provided a way to dial emergency services by the user. Yeah, for, I think that... Carriers, right? Only if you, if you have a VoIP only service. If you have oh, the service, okay. which is yeah, VoIP yeah. anyway, that plugs into the other box, which is a totally different pricing model, yeah. you can still dial triple zero if the backup battery is... Right. Which is... Yeah. I think they do that with Vonage too in the States. I think they do as well. There's the you know one services are limited for that kind of thing, but still, uh, the fact that more things are even not even like it's not even 
up to people certain in certain cases to move to VoIP services. That's interesting how that'll play out in the future. Yeah, so um, I think the, the biggest difference between when that was implemented and now, like, um, so when dialing 911 was de uh, decided to be an essential service, um, not everyone had like five cell phones in for each of them. Yeah. Like if you're in a crowd and you're like, someone give me a cell phone, dial 911 right now, like, someone has one. Yeah. Interesting though. I'm screwing everything up. But uh, it's good to see that uh, our old friend, uh, Ajit Pitt, uh, sorry, Ajit Pai, the, uh, you know, our favorite FCC chairman, he did speak with CenturyLink. So covered, covered you guys. <laughs> looking for a higher paycheck from them yeah i don't know yeah th so there was a huge e911 outage last year too and i think it was at&t related but it was all like their internal ip network that connects it all together it's pretty nuts can we also just laugh at the fact that it, this was during like there was a giant like explosion in new york during the time that 911 was out oh that's right yeah <laughs> the astoria uh thingy yeah yeah so like a like flame shooting out of a power plant and no one can call 911 <laughs> that legitimately kind of looked like uh independence day yeah it like had really the, crazy like, that blue tint to it right yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so speaking of, of emergency services, though, um, the Australian, the next news island we have here, the emergency text and email services were hacked and thousands of people received um, warnings about their personal data being exposed. So this happened in Australia and this was, it, they got, people got messages saying, EWN has been hacked. Your personal data stored with us is not safe. We are trying to fix the security issues. Please email support at ewn.com.au if you wish to unsubscribe. So this was interesting because this is like violent disclosure, but through their own platform. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's funny because like I don't know anyone actually affected by this. Like where like no nobody I know has even mentioned this thing, which is is pretty pretty crazy. Like I didn't get any notification of this. So the early warning systems, um, I believe, on like. If I'm not mistaken, it's the like systems they implemented in Sydney and things like that. Like they have uh, uh, speakers and stuff, maybe. Um, but yeah, like this, this is not. It sounds this article sounds a whole lot bigger <clears throat> than anything I've seen, like personally. So it kind of seems like a phishing campaign, honestly. Like that's the first thing I take away from it. It doesn't look legit at all. Well, I've I've never had to give my personal details to any early warning system because. Um, like uh, the same thing as, as we experienced in, uh, uh, DEF CON this year, you guys remember there was like a, a dust storm and we all received a text message, like a, a notification that pops up and says, Hey, there's a fucking dust storm, go inside. Um, mm -hmm. it's the same thing with like, uh, bushfires and other warning systems that they have here is that it's all just, Hey, you're, you're connected to the cell in the geo location. So send out the message, um, the country fire service here sends out tweets and people go to their website like there's different ways that they, they contact but at none of the systems i've used you actually put your personal details 
into any early warning system at all. Yeah, I've encountered some of those in like more rural places, um, sort of for like fires and whatnot, or either whether it's like not cell phone service or spotty cell phone service and that kind of stuff. Or for it's like a lot of the time they'll get uh, like non-emergency alerts too for like this and that. Yeah, like where they're talking about some of these places, like uh, like Ipswich and Logan. A sort of they're around like Brisbane and um yeah they're not like they're pretty populated so like I wouldn't say that they're small towns or anything the thing is it says all these screenshots in this story says that they were sent by the hacker not this fucking agency which is really bizarre <laughs> yeah mm. This is this is the weird thing. Plus, like the response of like using Facebook like, to tell people about, it. like whoever's in charge of that campaign fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But it's just it the whole the whole uh, this system of early warning and nine one one and general emergency services around the world. I feel like are some of our most critical things that we're going to need and. Time and time again, it's just things keep fucking up. Like the the Hawaii like missile alert, stuff like that. It's just like this stuff needs to be audited continuously because this can cause like real ass issues with people. Dude, the one in the Hawaii, I remember can't get over it. It said literally, this is not a test. There is a missile yeah. towards you. That is fucking <laughs> nuts. Yeah, like, right. What do you do? Just like when they actually reviewed that one there right now. Honestly, believe that. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine the the stuff that they had to go through, um, like their the little menus and stuff. It's probably some old ass Java app with just the worst, like everything. Oh no, and no, you no. Just hit that's the wrong not what thing. I mean. I mean, the person who actually did press the button honestly believed, like, there was a breakdown in communication, saying like one person says, "Hey, we're doing a test," oh. and then the other person was like, "Oh fuck, we're being attacked." Oh word. I see. Oh, okay, cool. okay. So it misinterpreted some of the input. Damn, so it's pretty funny. engineered at any point <laughs> in the future. <laughs> so there was um this early warning system is in Sydney where they have these speakers on like traffic lights or whatever in this in the city, and they they put it in and they fucked up and there was no backup power at one point at like at the very beginning, and the first emergency that happened was actually a, so the the system didn't work and um as you can imagine, in a city everybody all the buildings that require power during a blackout have like ups rooms and then um diesel generators so all the diesel generators kicked in and black smoke would start billowing from the city so what happens is all the people get on twitter and they're like sydney is burning um because they didn't know that the black smoke was just the generators they're like sydney's on fire everything's fucking crazy and meanwhile, this is like the first time the early warning system, like the not early warning system, the the emergency warning system, had been uh, tested. So that was like in a in a real scenario. I gotta admit, I'm a huge fan of that kind of chaos because in the end, it doesn't actually hurt anybody. Nobody's life actually is in danger, but it causes like some hysteria for a little bit. It's kind of fun. Second, that's as funny as hell to me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the next uh, little bit of news we have here is interesting. Um, been kind of off and on about 
understanding the like the the why of the story, but this is the uh, the Dark Overlord people who have been basically saying that they they have a bunch of litigation documents related to 9/11, and they have been slowly releasing them over time and playing directly into the insane conspiracy theorists that are somehow crowdfunding this um, so that they can slowly decrypt more of these documents, which don't really seem to show anything either. Um, wow, he's. Yeah, just- so he's taking advantage of the truther crowd, huh? Absolutely, yeah. And like the deep state QAnon people, all those kinds of people. Um, they're like, yeah. I so they're really feel bad for those people in a way, like because there's clearly some fucking screws not uh, at all there, and then like they're just getting taken advantage left and left and right. But <laughs> I think there is a there is a there is like this um. In the truth of crowd, there's like they want to believe it, and they've they're all about critical thinking, right? Like use your brain, like think, like wouldn't this happen? Wouldn't that like doesn't this make sense? But then they get scammed on the exact thing they're supposed to be critically thinking about. <laughs> I don't think they, they like the idea of random and uh, random events. I don't think they like that at all. They want everything to be controlled. Yeah, that's scary. Otherwise, don't you think? Yeah, if there was just randomness in the world, interesting. <laughs> Entropy no. in the what? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm going to keep monitoring this, though. Um, I don't think there's going to be anything. If it is, uh, cool. But still, it's just a bunch of legal jargon that a bunch of people who are not trained in the law are going to be analyzing and coming to their own conclusions on that are going to further solidify their batshit insane uh, ideas so it's gonna be fun dealing with that internet all right um so the next uh the next bit of story we have here um this one is interesting too malware disrupting um la times and tribune papers uh am i getting paywalled right now it's saying you are using a browser set to private or incognito mode are you fucking kidding me you're getting ransomed by the actual paper god damn it all right I'm going, to, I'm going to read this story to every single person here so they don't have to deal with it. Um, yeah, apparently there's a malware attack that has disrupted the delivery of the LA Times and Tribune papers across the U.S. And it's actually been targeting um, the stuff that actually handles printing documents uh, or printing the actual paper. Um, and it's, they've traced it, I guess, the attack to outside of the U.S. And this is a pretty deliberate attack to affect the actual infrastructure of the mainstream media, um, specifically the Times and other papers. Um, it's actually delayed some of their uh, the distribution of the Saturday editions of the um, Los Angeles Times and the San Diego Union Tribune, um, which is interesting. I don't know. I, I, I think, a- though, you've actually solved this, like, inadvertently by trying to read this uh, because... I think the the root cause of this problem isn't malware. It's just they were using incognito. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I guess for some reason they paywalled themselves into oblivion, and they're not allowed to <laughs> access their own software because they need to. They need to load the Facebook uh, OAuth tokens into every single ad. And yeah, um, but no, this is definitely um, an interesting thing because there's people that are attacking this directly. This is very deliberate and very, very calculated to try and pull off an attack like this. I mean, 
honest to God, from all the problems that you've just had, it sounds like they fucking deserve it. I'm just going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, just I think... a small taste of their own medicine, at least. <laughs> if we're talking about systems, though, that actually help, uh, that are part of a, supp- a newspaper supply chain, like a physical access type thing, um, like, they're not very easy to find on, on Shodan or with Mascan or whatever. Like, generally, a lot of the things we've, the times we've seen critical infrastructure found on Shodan, it's because someone's running VNC publicly or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that. Whereas, how, how do you find the newspaper plant? Like, which plant is it? Where is it? How do you know it's the LA Times one? Like, there's a lot of hours in there. Um, yeah. There's a high, takes a lot of recon. Of high probability insider uh threat that going on there absolutely yeah because this is the kind of stuff that this this was affecting stuff in the like the the plate making facility like there was like issues that are that are like fucking up like the very low level aspects of printing a newspaper stuff that i didn't even i would never even think to even look up on wikipedia let alone like like actually be interested in attacking so yeah um like i think even like if you want to take it to conspiracy kind of uh, nation state level, right? Like Russia, China, et cetera, North Korea, they're not going to be interested in fucking with the plates. Like seriously, who gives a shit? What they're interested in is the money maker and where the actual information is actually coming out of primarily, which is internet based these days. So well, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say though, like the exactly what we're talking about with a was it the the Washington Post getting owned? Like, why would they prevent the newspaper coming out rather than make the tiny changes that could change a whole story? Like, yeah. if they're really doing like some sort of psyop like thing to try and disrupt flow of information, wouldn't they do something a little more I subtle? Think, I think yeah. disruption is less. <sighs> I don't know. It's complex, right? Like if you if you change a story for psyop reasons, and the newspaper is like, "Hey, they changed the story," that's a major major issue, and like that will become a major story. But if you just deny the information going out, like a, a denial of service, well, meh. It's a story, but it's a quieter story as it manifested well also i feel like the most like valuable thing in this case would be access right like being inside like can yield so much more than any sort of like singular attack yeah i really feel like this is probably somebody that was jilted that used to work there maybe i don't know if it was very very complicated thing to do yeah they did say that it was sourced outside of like the the source of the attack was outside of the united states right Oh, I yeah. actually missed that part. Oops. Yeah. So, I mean, getting something into that, like, I guess you could you could probably fish a bunch of factory workers. Like, uh, the places I've worked at that have had factories, um, the people who work in the factory had email addresses, and they just had like one machine in the, on the factory floor, or like a couple of machines in an area where they would occasionally check their email, but majority of their day they're not checking emails. Like, they don't give a shit about emails. They work in a goddamn factory. Yeah. Um, but they did have email addresses and it was on the machine and it was connected to the network. I believe those machines also weren't connected to like factory equipment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be a, definitely like an access control issue. Right. Yeah. But you could, I guess you could find the factory 
through like phishing attempts like you don't have a sophisticated user at the end going analyzing email headers going like is this a real email from apple i'm just looking at some of the some of the quotes from this article and one of them says the source would not detail why they believe it came from overseas stuff like that i don't know i it just it the whole conversation right like it just seems weird for definitely state so i guess we'll find out i think that this attack as well as this uh segment of the episode was brought to you by nordvpn uh, <laughs> oh, military grade encryption mm, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah uh, the next one we have yeah. the next story we have here is actually pretty cool the court says that vizio's uh class action lawsuit for their smart tvs can go forward which is cool because Fuck Vizio for doing all this stupid bullshit with literally do putting like tr- like monitoring every single thing that you watch to some weird database to s- profile you, even and if you're just watching regular cable or anything some, on your TV, no matter what you're doing. Somebody started investigating this, I want to say about six months ago. Has somebody dumped the database yet or hacked it? Or have um, we... I don't think so. Damn it. Hurry Damn up. It. Wait, Come on, get on there. Chop, chop. Well, all you have to do is just be the highest bidder in there, however they're selling this. Yeah, right? You just you call them up. Be like, hey, can I buy that? <laughs> sure. Okay. But, like, if we if we analyze the Chrome, like, the Chromecast broadcast bullshit that happened um, way before, way before that you all read about it, and Doug Crowd Discord, come and join our Discord. Um, if you wanted to utilize a smart TV in like there's obviously vulnerabilities in them right they're connected to the internet we've seen that like it wouldn't if you built a private database of like what frequency people were watching mapped it to the country like what channel they're watching like because you or you can get that from i guess uh from the stream uh the dtv stream the dvb stream and you would know like exactly what show everyone you've infected is watching and you have a super valuable database that is like marketing gold right yeah, and you know who wants to buy that? Nielsen Ratings. That is the absolute company that would buy that. So I mean, like this is just a this is just like a company who's done it, but there's no reason that like it couldn't be done illegally or by other third parties or TV manufacturers or anyone else. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it it's definitely looking weird does it like this sort of stuff is becoming obviously more common but it's cool that people are going to be able to or that it's getting taken seriously that people can sue companies for doing sketchy shit like this which is good i think that companies should be held accountable for just random stuff that you didn't sign up for and then selling it to people or just getting hacked and then you just get all your stuff so good stuff yeah good times Uh, i'm glad that quick case is going for yeah uh, hold on one second. I clicked out the wrong window. Um, oh, yeah. So, oh, this one's cool. Um, Coinbase is suspending Ethereum Classic um, after the 51% attack on network. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, does anybody else want to explain this? Because I'm not that good at explaining crypto concepts. So, oh, man. Okay. I'll give, give a two second summary while, uh, while you. you get ready for a better one all right dnz <laughs> uh i think this from what i've gathered so far i've been reading a little bit about it um the, the coinbase the third party had to notify them 
that this was even happening. Nobody even noticed this until uh, until they were uh, locked or something. And uh, that's about the extent of how well I'm going to describe it. Okay, so <laughs> Mac was like a, like a node takeover, right? So they could verify passes of. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, all right. So what? Basically, the you've got your decentralized um, network of nodes. Like I was, was White Cracker and I were talking about this earlier. Um, there was a different coin that this happened to first, and that was getting the attention, which is probably why this didn't this went unnoticed to begin with. Um, and so once once you have fifty one percent control of the network, you you pretty much have ownership. The TLDR is that you can uh, that there was a double spend bug where you can make two transactions at once and they'll go through for a short period of time and then there'll be uh, a rollback later on the second one. Um, but if it's a deposit and you've already moved it, like so if you deposit to um, an exchange, for example, and that's a spend out of your wallet and then you already buy some other currency, it's on a different chain now. It's too late. You have the money lol. So mm -hmm. that's like kind of the why they suspended it was so that nobody could deposit in and out. Like, and they also advise that other exchanges should um, freeze all uh, Ethereum Classic transactions at the same time as well, because it affected the chain, not specifically Coinbase. Coinbase were affected as a result of the chain being compromised. And yeah, it looks like it was like around five hundred thousand. How do you uh, how do you suppose they did this? Oh, so it's uh, by controlling the um, proof of work, I guess. Uh, you, usually, like, so the $5,000 is how much it would cost to rent the computing power to control 51% of the blockchain. So yeah. somebody actually went out and just put the resource and money into controlling 51%? Or yeah. did somebody figure out a way to traffic shape and do some trickery? To create I mean, you, an art, uh, artificial 51%. I mean, you can artificial 51%. Like, for example, if you have a small chain and you have um, a single mining pool that is doing um, a large percentage of the work, you could, um, you know, like it's akin to um, like forcing a net split back on IRC. You know, you knock off, um, you knock off all those oppers and then you, you take ops yourself, right? So you knock off the mining a large chunk of the, the work, and then you can now control more nodes that have a larger percentage of work each. Interesting. Yeah. And also it's like, you can rent out uh, like boxes for like their power. Like people rent out their like unused hashing power. I honestly really think these attacks because they're not, they're not actually I don't know. Are they actually stealing at that point? Or are they just um, doing they a thing? No. So like the, the part where the 51%, the double spend, right? That's not necessarily stealing. It's just like inventing temporary money out of But yeah. by spending that temporary money, that it's already too late because you've already got the goods. So you just, you've now stolen the goods. Sorry, we're gonna I... go to the. We're gonna go to the DMV. We're gonna get an ID. The face, the name says you, but the face is me. All right. What's the feeling? <laughs> the cool rap. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Um. 
Yeah, no, interesting stuff though for just being able to control a majority of the Bitcoin or any coin network and just seeing people on, in uh, Discord talking about the different ways that, or the different costs that it would take to actually buy out a network like that um, and do this kind of attack. It's really, it's a, really a bad timing because of the fucking crash with Bitcoin and everything. Like to have to have confidence shaken in any of the bigger blockchain uh, currencies and stuff. That's uh, not cool. It's good. it's only gonna keep going down. It's disruption, man. And disrupting my fucking money, man. <laughs> there's a there's a website. The ETC really tied the room together. <laughs> What'd you say? So the ETC really tied the room together. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a website that's a list that will tell you how much each coin is. Fifty one, you need to fifty one percent it. Like what the rental cost. Oh wow, cool. Well, yeah, um, enough uh, blockchain. Um, someone already said blockchain drink. Uh, so we can move on to the next one. Oh yeah, that's a good link. Uh, crypto fifty one. Um, but yeah, this another interesting one. This piece by Joseph Cox uh, from today. Uh, I gave you a bounty hunter three hundred dollars. Then he located our phone, and it basically just details through the um, the ways in which people are able to leverage public or, or not public, but um, data sources that you can buy from various uh, data brokers uh, that do geolocation to track pretty much any phone by just the number. Um, the will do it. Yeah, telcos have APIs that you can pay. For. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this one is just uh, you know going over the like different ones um, there are like uh, Location Smart, Securus. Um, yeah, Location Smart. Yeah, the one who they had like a you could you could just geolocate anything without even having to pay because they had like a shitty website. But um, you, the one you just mentioned, Location Smart, especially. I was mm -hmm. reading, and Krebs did an article, I want to say in June or July, about this. And yes. Verizon and a few other carriers said, oh, we've cut ties with them. And that was clearly a fucking lie, right? I mean, not yeah. a lie. Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean... So we were talking yeah. about, uh, in Discord last week, the week before, we're talking about someone was talking about getting ISP doxxed and stuff like that. And it went down to like, you know, uh, router interfaces and stuff like that. So like from getting your uh, like BSSID, for example, um, you can then look that up on public databases from, you know, there's, a, there's a bunch of different ones. Um, and similar, if you were to have access to somebody's like cell phone and you had their, uh, a list of their partner cells through like you know that you can gain through the at like an at command through the modem um you can look that up on like open cell id and stuff like that so there's a bunch of ways if like not network based vectors to also gain someone's location like i love those yeah all those hidden little things those things are fascinating <laughs> no i just yeah. It just goes to show more and more how easy it is to access any of this sort of data, even if you didn't consent to having it collected. I mean, obviously it's it's your phone, so it's gonna always be transmitting things, but just the fact that companies make it as easy as possible for whoever just has a little bit of money. It's not even that expensive. 
to just uh, really abuse these systems is um, pretty scary and it's something that we should be wary of conscious. I think it's going to require somebody or some corporation to really abuse it in a, in a terrible way in order for change to happen because this has been going on for how many years now? Like we've all known about this for a very long time now. So when does it change? My guess, something really ridiculous is going to have to happen. Well, well yep. it was it was funny, like um, the UPMP stuff with, with you, Dan. <laughs> like it was like, yeah, we know about this, but like so many people didn't. That was the hilarious thing. Yeah, UPMP is fun. If a stack covers UPMP. You should definitely explore <laughs> UPMP. Things to look at when you start hacking UPMP. It's free real estate. <laughs> you can fit so many nut tables in this bad boy. <laughs> um, yeah, the next story that we have in our main news log is Soldier Boy pulling his consoles from the store after a possible Nintendo lawsuit. Um, so if anybody didn't see this coming, um, emulators are illegal. <laughs> Not even just emulators, just straight, just bootleg consoles that are have just shitty, shitty games. They're just the worst games. Um, he literally went to somebody took him to Alibaba and was like, "Did you know you can get white label consoles?" <laughs> Yes, and we have some other interesting news about uh, SODMG Gaming, which we'll be able to discuss after Soldier Boy gets back in contact with us. Um, but yes, this the rabbit hole of the shit show of this is just hilarious. There's so many consoles that he sold, and well, I've seen a lot of really funny reviews of them, um, where the the consoles are just look vaguely like an Xbox One or a PlayStation Four, and you like you know open them up, and they're just like this weird like almost like a raspberry pi it could have just been a raspberry pi i don't know why they wasted yeah it's like but like they wasted their time on building their own thing that people already do for way cheaper and then just have a giant ass case and um hdmi and all this other crap it's they're terrible these are terrible consoles (laughs) i am very uh very surprised that anybody like i don't i don't get how people like like think about how long people have been making bootleg NES games and bootleg NES consoles that are like ten thousand and one and they have like the same five games repeated with just palette swaps. I don't understand how people like continually like thirty plus years of this legacy of bullshit still think that people are going to buy it and think that that's okay well, and not feel well, like they got cheated out of like a hundred dollars. I think you need to remember the demographic. It's the, it's the demographic there. Like, what about Christmas in the hood and you want to get your like five year old uh, video game? No, I completely, I don't, I completely, I completely understand like wanting to cheap to go for cheap on it. But the like the fact that we also have so many reviews of these sorts of things and the fact that people still buy them is just insane. Like you can just look up this thing. Every every single review of these are negative or incredibly sarcastic, and if you somehow. <laughs> You yeah. look, I think uh, what we need to do is clear. Uh, thug crowd label. Uh, Console? Thug crowd private label. Thug okay. one. Yeah. All let's right. Do so let's, let's do it. <laughs> we, should, we should partner up with uh, 
Soldier Boy, and get him to do it right. Soldier Boy, we'll <laughs> yeah. show you how to make it. Soldier Boy, if you were listening to Thug Crowd, let, we'll let you know how to create the console that's going to fuck you on. We'll let you know how to not use a vulnerable player. Um, definitely won't mind Bitcoins when you're not playing it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great scam. That's a, just have an FPGA, just put it into the, all the rest of the cases in there, just hook it up and hook it up to the internet for DRM, and that's it. It goes. God damn it, that's such a fucking funny idea. I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, great, great stuff. We will be, uh, we already have been contacting some of those people from AliExpress, so we'll, we'll hit them up. Shenzhen, uh, hello. Um, so yeah, but this is interesting though, because uh, they're cracking down on this. They've, Nintendo's been releasing a lot of their own consoles. The best thing though is that Children's Voice said Nintendo isn't going to do shit, and then they did. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. I think you misquoted Soldier Boy there. Could you try that again? Nintendo ain't gonna do shit, all capitals. And Nintendo says we are going to do some shit, and they did. And they, they, they're, uh, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I, anybody, this is just isn't the worst idea. Uh, Soldier Boy, I respect your hustle very much. Uh, but goddamn, he's trying to make like a gamer league around all this stuff. Like, gamer of what? Like, literally, like. Like duck hunt, like, <laughs> like 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 duck hunt without a light gun. Like yeah, that's you a great. A League of Legends console that has like a, a controller that just does League of Legends and then just put them in every esports. League. Yeah, because that game doesn't need that doesn't need a whole great deal to run. Fine games don't need anything to run. Like Fortnite Mobile, like run Fortnite Mobile on a TV and give it to a five year old and they'll beat like thirty year. <laughs> that's very true um so yeah yeah uh oh so the next news there was not a news story but it's a good read uh it was very interesting um alexandria ocasio cortez um there was like a fake nude not really a nude it was just a weird picture of her that was debunked by foot fetishists um oh which God. this is this is something that i i don't know it's just very very 2019 Jesus. um where somebody tried to release a uh, a fake picture of Alexandria Casio Cortez that fucking foot. <laughs> holding like a holding a, a like a dab pen to make her like seem like she's doing something weird, but then people there's a there's apparently a wiki called Wiki Feet, which just has a collection of everybody's feet for some reason, and they are just able to identify her feet and say that's not actually her. Yo. All I got Whoa. to say is do not fuck with the feet people, okay? Yeah, I wear socks, I want to take this everybody back a little bit. <laughs> you got to go just, back it... to Kate's Playground. If, does anybody remember Kate from Kate's Playground? Oh, God. I don't you explain it quick, buddy. <laughs> okay, yes, Kate yeah. from Kate's Playground was, it was, was famous, um, obviously, because she was a porn star, but also... Because she had a hook, and uh, people tracked her down in World of Warcraft with with Torrens called like what the hoof and like pointed at because oh she God. she had like a deformed foot, so everybody knew it was really her because she had the deformed foot. Yeah, so, like, like foot foot fetish identification is is has been done before. This has come around. It's come and gone. Yeah, it's just it's very interesting though because like we have people. I mean, I've been looking a bunch into to 
like how deep fakes are actually distributed and like what people saw people using stuff and it's really creepy that people are the way that people are using it which is a whole other different topic but just the fact that the people that have just painstakingly collected images of people's feet are just able to somehow just give back credibility to somebody on like a very very like annoying character like defamation like tactic just some guy like oh no i know those feet like it's just very it's, it's so, there's some yeah. guy sitting in front of a computer seeing the picture come across his screen he goes that's fucking bullshit i know yeah peter it's oh. the actually guy the actually mean guy that's like literally you know, come to life just like <laughs> actually um yeah beautiful uh, stuff it'll, so it'll, well, I can't believe that you you have a post on that from 2004 that is gangster that you still have. Wow. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's not Osin, it's Tosin. All right, let's get off of this topic before we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great, great... Uh... That was funny. So, yeah, the next, uh, the next good read we had, though, was interesting. It was the... Uh... Best Florida man of the year. Uh, Florida man stumbled on the biggest prime number after working on an I-5 for 12 days straight. Uh, <laughs> does anybody have any um, idea of how this sort of thing works? I, I feel like in this realm of mathematics, when you're just doing this shit, I feel like there's there's been supercomputers doing this for like ever. I don't know how. There's a yeah. random guy. There's a blockchain based on prime numbers, on, on finding prime numbers. You know, yeah, like it's whole... called... GIMP, the Great Internet Mersenne Prime Search. So basically, uh, they generate Mersenne primes, which are two to the n minus one, uh, and you check if two to the n minus one is prime for some giant number n, uh, and you just have a computer checking for days to check if it's prime or not. And so this guy happened to get a number that was prime. His computer spent 12 days verifying that, and then he, uh, he got to say, hey, I found a prime. Yeah, so, and he did it in, he had only been doing it for like three months, and it's worth noting that people have been trying to do this same thing for like five years and haven't found one. So well, no, they've is, been is, finding them. Uh, this yeah. is just the largest one that they've found, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, so with the N, like, it, it, where does the N come from? Is it just like a random seed, like? N has to be prime. Yeah, okay. it's N is prime, and then I think they just incrementally do the next N. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I suppose if N isn't like if N comes from a known list, then it would be not that hard to destroy across like. However, I don't, I don't know how the blockchain that the proof of work is based on finding primes. Yeah, works, so but... it's not a blockchain. It's just a distributed computing thing. So if uh, I think the website is like gimps.org. I actually don't go to that. Uh, Google it. Uh, <laughs> Great Internet Mersenne Prancer. Um, yeah, it's like folding at home. That kind of thing. Yeah, I think they have a little wiki or an explanation of how everything works. But you just download the software. You can run. I I had it running for a few months on a OpenBSD. You can run it on pretty much any operating system. So if you strike out on your own and find uh, a prime, uh, the EFF will pay you if you can find a prime that has 100 million uh, digits. This prime that okay. this guy found was 20. 
like something like 25 million digits. I I think you still get like a smaller amount of money. I think it's like five or yeah. $10,000 for the largest prime anyway. It's three thousand yeah. uh, dollars. Gimps will pay you three thousand dollars if you find the largest prime, but EFF okay, will 3, pay you a hundred thousand dollars if you can find a hundred million digit prime, which would take ridiculous amounts of processing power. Yeah. And so the um, yeah. So the the blockchain thing I was talking about is actually called Prime. Um, and looking at it, like, why don't we just start our own chain and then uh, every time a a block is found, we give somebody some useless tokens and we take the cash. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a really good idea. That's it. So it's going to be called um, Thug Primes and uh, you can download the client in the next half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Waterman does a cool thing. Sounds like... Uh... <laughs> um... <clears throat> oh, yeah. The win for Florida, man. The, the next the next good read uh, that we have here is incredible. Um, this is Julian Assange has put a, a list of 140 things that you cannot say about Julian Assange. Um, Have you actually read this thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, awesome. is, this is awesome. This is just, I don't know who wrote this. This is like a, this reminds me of like an Adderall binge. This is like mania. This is very, very strange to have to have sit and, and, and like, sat and, and written all this stuff just saying that like he's not a computer hacker or a computer programmer or that he stinks or that he's uh you know member of the muslim brotherhood like there's so many just absolutely I mean, he's a computer programmer yeah he definitely is he he, he, he wrote some like really good yeah. shit back in the day strobe and mary and like he, what absolutely, the fuck? he absolutely stinks too i'm gonna put it out there Every single fucking human stinks. Prove me wrong. <laughs> um, he also, um, I, I asked to pose a question, but I got no response from WikiLeaks. Um, is it false or defamatory to claim that Julian Assange absolutely rips it up from the dance floor? Um, and it's, <laughs> like a deep no, that's, that's, that's Julian Assange. Oh, that's um, he, horny, man. Yeah, I will post this in the uh, the chat here. Um, I'm gonna fucking. It's. <laughs> He's he literally tears it up. He's he's like he's doing like these Vogue dances. He's like some like deep house like like Paris is burning like crazy ass dance. Which is like boom, boom, like I don't know. I couldn't get enough of that when I first saw that. And then I guess it isn't false or defamatory because they didn't make any statements. They used their hashtags, so I don't know. <laughs> that is really funny. I honest to God thought it was just some rando wearing like a like a mop head wig. Uh, doing some de uh, techno dancing. No, the best part is that came from some random DJ who just was DJing a club and just someone's like, oh shit, that's Julian Assange. And then they found out that, it, yeah, it was him. And he just was with a bunch of WikiLeaks people in Iceland. Um, Insane. So yeah. Definitely, I don't know what this could signal or why this would have come out. Okay, yeah, come out. Came out. I don't know. I think it's pretty much like putting all negatives to what he has done so if you find something they haven't actually recognized before it's probably he did it or something <laughs> but this is like this is like uh what is it it's like known bad versus known good it's just i don't know why you would put all this stuff out there and just like a i list. feel like again this is wikileaks is obviously um heavily followed and and contributed to by the truth of crowd 
and maybe their critical thinking was a little too critical all over again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has the effect of, right, whatever reason you put this out, like, definitely backfired uh, because Jesus Christ. I want to, I now just want to sit down with Julian Assange and ask him 140 things. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say, I want to say to him, like, (laughs) these exact 140 things, and then be like, thank you for the. Was your mother a hippie? No. It's all defamatory. Um, the yeah, the 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 last little bit here that we have before we can bring uh, Andrew on in our Goodreads is AT and T misleading customers by updating phones with a fake five G thing. This is like this reminds me of like a bootleg phone, like where they would like put like HD. Actually, I bought a DVD at the time that said that it was an HD. Uh, no, it said it was it said that it was HD Blu-ray. And I said, is this really a Blu-ray? Is this HD? And they said, no, the company is called Blu-ray HD. Um, that's kind of what it reminds me of, where it's just some random technical thing that they can put on there to just trick anybody who would believe it into thinking that for some reason it's 5G. Um, so basically, they've just changed the image in the build, right? That's, yeah. that's, the, that's, that's yeah. They've changed the sticker. This is something that Sprint and, uh, and Friends usually does. I'm surprised to see AT&T doing it. I saw a couple people on my Twitter actually get really excited that, oh, my phone's been upgraded to 5G uh, yesterday or the day before, and then a fucking day later, the news story comes out that it's fake. That's just... <laughs> so how was this delivered, though? Like, was this... is Does this image... Is it delivered as part of the firmware, or was it delivered over... over like so as you, a... Usually for iPhones, it's like an iOS... Uh, a small iOS update that comes OTA, yeah, yeah, but it's not like part of uh, carrier configuration OTA. No, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's the carrier configuration. It's not actually part of the iOS update itself. Nope. Yeah. Nice. Stuff. That's cool. fucking it's just ridiculous that they they just changed it. And that's yeah. It. The carrier is like, lol, <laughs> just send this shit out. I mean, yeah, because you can. If you're in control of the cell tower, you can change the banner to whatever the hell you want. You really can. You can push anything to cell phones that connect to you. So yeah. they, they could push out like 12G and people would be like, whoa, I'm extra awesome. I got 12G now. But uh, <laughs> And then downgrade them to like 56K modem speeds. Yeah, 9G. Mm. I, I saw that. The uh, T-Mobile guys were having some fun with it. And they just like put a post-it sticker over it saying 9G and saying, congratulations, you've been upgraded. And I think AT&T deserves to get put in the barrel for a little bit for this because uh, fuck lying to people about their service. Scammers. Uh, shout out to t and uh... Dade for stubbing. Um, a bunch of people there. Thanks all of you guys for in the sleep. Thanks for uh, coming in um, and subbing to us. This is cool. Um, but yeah, uh, this is it for the news segment. Um, we should just get into our interview with uh, Andrew Morris. Uh, can you hear us, Andrew? I think so. 
Is this thing on? Hey, it's on. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Hi. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Anytime. No problem. Uh, hold on one second. I got to give Dade a roll here. Dade, you should be able to chat in our Discord now. Um, already. Clear. You can chat. It should be, but I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah, hey, what's up? What's going on, guys? Hey, hey, hey. So I just like have I have uh, on my screen left over from earlier. I have our I have the subnets that you guys have been scanning the internet from, and I'm like looking at you guys scanning uh -oh. the internet over these last like at these last like two weeks. Wait, what? Who's I don't know. Who's who's do I have? Um, a few of us. Uh... Am I already? Am I already like putting people on blast right now? Right, so, I gotta go, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, never mind. Never mind. Not, not at all. Not, not at all. Um, but yeah. So yeah, actually, here. So this makes sense to everybody. How about you introduce yourself and Gray Noise? Yeah, I'd love to. So my name is Andrew Morris. I'm the founder of a like nerd project turned into a company called Gray Noise. And so basically gray noise is like, I'll give you guys the nerd version and then I can give you like the, like the pitchy version that I try to sell to people. The nerd version is like gray noise is a system. It's like a giant distributed passive internet scanner collection system. That's kind of like a bunch of honeypots, a little different, but I don't have to get into that. And we literally like soak up internet scan and attack traffic. Like, it's just passive. We look at people scanning the internet and we look, it's kind of like internet weather reporting. We like look at what people are looking at, what people are scanning for, what people are crawling for, all that kind of stuff. And we do trending analysis. We find compromised devices. We try to like track as infected devices, you know, crawl, like spread and infections crawl and, or and as infections propagate and things like that. So basically that's me. That's great noise. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of my, my spiel so far. Uh, yeah, and then I guess, so we got hooked up because you guys asked me to come on maybe like a month ago, maybe like right around when all that printer stuff was happening. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. You remember it was like, so it was mm -hmm. the it was the PewDiePie thing at first, and then it was the, uh, it was like the printer as a service thing that, that we found. Yes, yes, the printer as a service, the amazing, amazing. Mass printing as a service, like. Like reach gorilla, everybody in the world. Yeah, guerrilla marketing as a service. Yeah. What do you think about that? Since it's actually open, unauthenticated, just kind of waiting publicly. Is it fair game? I mean, well, like you have free agency as a human being. You can do whatever you want. Um, is it a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> like, are they <laughs> You know, like, yeah, it's, it's just crafty. Like, like, like I guess it, it depends, like, with this thing specifically. So, like, more broad, you know, people scan the internet. Like, if you don't want people to scan your stuff, like, don't have it be exposed to the internet. Like, boom, easy. Um, is it a good idea to, like, blast something out of people's printers? Um, is that, like, a good idea? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, do you not want to go to jail, right? Or, like, you know, what do you, like, like... So is it a good idea? I don't know. Honestly, I don't have a good answer for you. Like, it's hilarious. I, I think it's funny. Um, like, I'm not going to, like, pontificate that, like, you know, you're, like, making the world a better or worse place. 
um like do you i, I guess yeah i i guess i was just kind of more tongue-in-cheek there anyways um yeah well it, fair. It, but what you just referred to uh the the scanning of of the internet uh, the cartography that perspective of it um that's something that's uh that personally i've gotten in uh, a bunch of fights with a bunch of providers over because running nmap is apparently um a crime against humanity it's really weird mind, right <laughs> and so yeah, yeah this, i'm wondering yeah. what, how you've dealt with that and what your trials and tribulations so i've like i don't have much experience scanning the internet honestly so like almost everything i've ever done like i've been working on this problem like i've been working on the internet scanner um like like tracking internet scanners problem for like years now so i mean since i like got serious and like really interested about in it in like i don't know like 2011 2012 um and so like for me personally like i have skin you know i've done a lot of internet scanning but it's just really not like my big jam um, so everything i've done is passive so what that means is like providers don't care what i do like i literally just sit there and soak up internet but i soak up the other people that are scanning the internet so like from my own experience like you know no one's ever cared what I do from a passive like collection perspective. Um, now the times that I have like reached out and scanned the internet, like I've done it before on a cloud provider that I had a good relationship with. And so like, you know, I knew the security team and I just basically told them like, Hey guys, heads up. I'm about to scan the internet. This is what I'm scanning the internet for. You guys are going to get abuse complaint reports. Just forward them to me. And I'll like, I'll blacklist anybody who gets mad about it. And everyone's like, yep. All right, cool. That, that's fine. Right. Um, you know, like, that is like a good way to handle it. That is one way to handle it. And really it just depends on like the internet service provider or the hosting provider. Um, now there's like something to be said, like the reason, like I think it's like a big part of it is like, there are a lot of really shitty security products out there that will scream bloody murder when they get scammed. Right. Or like, you know, there's like software and like you know, things that are like firewalls that are written and stuff like that, where people will be like, oh my God, like somebody scanned this port. Like this person is APTing me. And it's like, you know, that's, that's probably not the case. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's a little bit of catastrophizing on the, you know, on the side of like certain security products. I think that's bad and dumb. Maybe there was a time, maybe there was a day and age where like, if somebody was scanning you on a certain port, like maybe they were out to get you, but like, I don't know. Like that, it doesn't feel like that's the case. Any I mean, it really doesn't feel like that's the case anymore. Like so, like bingo. you know, it's like finger D. Like that's that's not a normal. Like you know, yeah, exactly. So, like honestly, there's a lot of different ways that I could answer that question. I think, but like with me personally, it's just like I don't know. People are gonna scan the internet. People have started companies around scanning the internet. Like tons of people. Like we all know John at Shodan. Like right. he, he's he does it. Like he's he's been doing it for years. He's been doing it longer than anybody else has. And like he has good relationships with his hosting providers and all that he's he's responsible about it um but everyone's a critic everyone's got an opinion on the right and the wrong way to do it there's other people who build businesses around scanning the internet and not advertising where they do it from and look hey power to them too like i guess it's one of those things where it's kind of like anxiety or like something like that where you know if if your systems are getting hacked if your internet facing systems are getting hacked by like blatantly, easily, exploitably, easily ex exploitable remote vulnerabilities, remotely exploitable vulnerabilities facing the perimeter, like your problem isn't that people can scan you. Your problem is that you have a bunch of dumbasses running your 
vulnerability management program or your perimeter or your firewall or something like that, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the real problem. Yeah, bravo. And I, I I would imagine as as part of the overall spread from gray noise, um, you guys definitely see all the port scans that are going on, um, but probably don't. Those aren't rated as a threat instantly. It's other factors that are tacked onto it. Other. So you mean other... like when we dictate whether something's good or bad? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So actually, you want me to talk about that a little bit, like how yeah, we make that great. good and bad decision? That'd be cool. Yeah. So like, big part of gray noise is like we look at internet scanners. So everyone who's ever scanned the internet since gray noise existed, like approximately a year and a half ago, we have like recorded in a database somewhere. Sorry. Um, and so like we have, everybody gets logged and tagged and we basically put everybody into one of three buckets. Like you're in the good bucket, you're a good guy, benign, uh, or you're a bad guy. You do something bad, you're malicious, or we just don't have sufficient information to make a decision yet. So you're unknown. Right. So we make all of the bad decisions. Like we have like a, a I, I always, well, so we have like a custom um, streaming analytics service that basically just looks at everything that happens and applies a bunch of matching analytics onto it. So then basically like um, that's, that's what does all of this decision-making. And so then basically we like write a bunch of signatures and they fire as we collect more data and everything gets sorted into those buckets. Right. And so then for something to get called bad, it has to do something that's basically a violation of the computer fraud and abuse act. It somebody has to try to log into a system that doesn't belong to them, e.g one of our systems, um, or somebody has to throw an exploit or somebody has to do something that basically exhibits um, behavior that only an infected or malicious host would exhibit, right? So it means like scanning somebody, that's not bad. Banner grabbing somebody, that's not bad. Um, trying to exploit shell shock on their device, that's probably bad, right? So that's how we do, that's how we do bad and malicious. Benign is, is, more, is less based on what you do and is more based on where you come from. And so what that means is like, we have basically like, we build relationships and like, I call these people on the phone who run like Shodan, Census, Project Stone, our binary edge, like all of those people, like I know all of those people, I have relationships with all those people. And so I know, I do a bunch of research to figure out where those scans are going to be coming from. And I know like, look, these guys are probably not going to be violating CFAA and like, and I, I check that in the data. And then basically they keep doing their scans from the places that they say they're doing it. They advertise themselves appropriately. They get a benign tag, a benign label. And we're basically like, okay, you know, there you go. You're, you're a good guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I just want to make one thing uh, or, or touch on one thing that you mentioned, uh, the CFAA being your decision point. Uh, mm. I, I'm, I'm assuming you don't mean that literally. No, I don't mean that literally. Yeah, the CFA. I mean, yeah, I'm the sure CFA is completely fucking stupid. Yeah, we're like yeah. not huge fans of it. I would, I would say mostly. Yeah, no, the CFA. <laughs> yeah, this I would. I'm in complete agreement that the CFA is a completely broken piece of legislation. Um, when I say that, malicious. Do what? You just mean obviously malicious. I mean obviously malicious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that kind of thing, though, I can see how that would be a, a barrier or a set of guidelines that you would use to determine adversarial behavior. Yeah, Just exactly. And I'm way yeah. more of like a, an analyst than I am a lawyer. So like, I honestly, like, I couldn't tell you the first thing about CFA in and of itself. But um, yeah, so like, I just know, like, this is a thing that like, this means you're trying to do something that you're not allowed to be doing, right? Hey, let me ask you, 
how do you deal with uh, IP reuse? So like VPS providers. Oh God, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, like a big part of it is it's it's there's a temporal drift. So what it there that's a really really good question. When we call something good or bad, we that label. And so what that means is like, and to your point exactly, I mean, like tons of people spin up boxes on AWS, DigitalOcean, Linode, something like that, scan yep. the internet really quick, and then they tear them down. That IP is useless, you know, hours later. Yep. So we don't, we have, everything gets aged off. And so that basically just means that like when we stop seeing the thing, um, or when we're reasonably sure that the thing is no longer doing what we thought it was doing, then that's when that label or that, that, um, association would, would wear off or some, some period of time goes by. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's cool. Nice. And then on our side as well, like it's also important for us, like while we're enriching, we, so the way great noise works is there's everything goes through a, a tremendous amount of enrichments through like just data enrichments through different other different, like upstream services, GOIP, RDNS, like just stuff like that. Right. And one of those things is like, we have a lot of like kind of internal data sets that are like, okay, here's this idea. IP, is this coming from a residential network? Is this coming from a cloud hosting network where it's very likely that this IP address has been reused or will be reused or is a even reusable IP address? Is this coming from a business network? Like something like that, right? Yeah, definitely. There's actually a question from Twitch chat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Somebody just asked, how does spoofing affect all this? Oh, God. Spoofing makes my life so much harder. So... <laughs> Like basically I could talk about this for hours, like literally hours. Um, so IP <laughs> spoofing. Um, so for those who aren't aware, um, IP spoofing is just like on the internet or for internet scanning, it basically just means like, this is when somebody is on like a more relaxed network that doesn't <laughs> prevent this kind of thing from happening. Right. For better or worse. Nice yeah. Those terms. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, they're on a network where the operators are relaxed and um, and they basically sp spray packets to every, you know, corner of the internet, but with a spoofed source address, um, and, you know, presumably to never get the response, right? They, they will never get the response. And there can be no state that's maintained unless you're like, you have nation state God mode powers and you're able to tell, you know, what the the sequence numbers would line up to and blah, 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 blah. Right. I'm not even going to get into that. Um, and it's just when you, people send fake packets that are basically the packets are real, but the source address is wrong. And they say like, Hey, you know, like I'm scanning the whole internet for port 23 TCP um, from 8.8.8.8, which I see every day. Um, and it's like, you know, Google public DNS isn't actually doing that. Right. So how do we deal with spoofed traffic? Like basically there's a few different ways. One is, to bucket up like spoofed traffic to do stuff like, like before I even say like, this is so funny. Like, um, yeah, this is like a question. I really wish that somebody would have, like, I would have asked somebody like years ago, the first thing that you do is like, you just, you basically want to like, there's certain kinds of spoof traffic that you can just like immediately bucket off, put over into a different, into a different, um, the, you can catalog and categorize off like uh, UDP uh, Ampli DDoS reflective DDoS backscatter. Like that's something that you can detect and say like, yep, this is backscatter, disregard this. Um, that's one thing that you can do. Another thing that you can do is basically to just don't put anyone into, like make sure every IP as you're processing stuff goes into a, hey, we saw this like 
we've we've seen a, a handshake actually established from this thing, and we've never seen a handshake established from this, thing, right? Like, the, like, like, it's one thing to see a sin packet from you know one dot two dot three dot four, but it's another thing to see a completed TCP three way handshake from one dot two dot three dot four, right? And so, like, just making sure that you're all of your the way that you do everything is aware of all of that kind of stuff, and that you don't harp too much on things that are quote spoofable. Hope that answers your question. Yeah. If you have any other further yeah. follow-up questions, yeah, ping me on Twitter because I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> so, and anybody um, in the room, like, feel free to tell me to go fuck myself if I say anything that you think is incorrect because I'm... <laughs> no, I would never do that. No. <laughs> but so one of the things that, um, that we were interested in and some of the questions from Skelsec, who would love to be here, um, but can't uh, was more about your back end and how you actually pull this off. So, like you've described um, a bit about your process for processing or yeah, processing or interpreting this data, but we wanted to know kind of what you, how you actually do it. Like, do you run your own honeypots? Do you do Shodan searches? Are you getting some other feeds from other services? I guess how, how I mean, without revealing too much of your of your internals that you would be trade secret. I guess how does one actually start mapping out this sort of data? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I'm going to just talk about it like a little bit at a high level, and then you can say in like any more depth. So basically at a high level, like we collect all of our own data. So everything comes from like stuff that we do ourselves. And we do that for a handful of different reasons. One is because like the fidelity of the data is extremely important. And two, it's really important that people don't know where our collector nodes are located. So we run our own like collector nodes and all these different cloud hosting providers, like in literally hundreds of them around the internet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we make sure that nobody knows where they are because if people know where they are, they can pollute our data set by either giving us Absolutely. fake data or by skipping our nodes so that we're blind to them. Right. So basically like I've actually given some talks on this in the past. Like I gave a talk in this on Shmookon this time last year. Um, and I've given some more in the past, like stand up, like this is what you could do if you wanted to build a similar system, like stand up a bunch of like honeypots in a bunch of different cloud hosting providers and just correlate the data that comes between. What we do is like, basically we have a bunch of honeypots that are running. I, I don't like using the term honeypot because it implies that we're like trying to bait attackers and we're trying to lure attackers in, but that's not true. And right. Yeah. They're endpoints. Yeah, they're endpoints. So I always say like nodes or like you know, collectors or stuff like that. They're they're boxes, but I don't like the H word because the H word just implies that we're trying to make them look sexy and bait people in. We're trying to get the the bottom of the barrel, right? We're trying to get everybody that's hitting the internet. We're not trying to get, you know, sexy bad guys. So, anyways, um, um getting... I, I got a quick question, a follow-up yeah. question that I, my audio fucked up before. I'm sorry to Oh, no ways but um all right so you mentioned like uh like spoof packets like a technique we used to use yonder like was actually uh just only receiving the act on a different machine um so sending from one and receiving from another is is that something that you guys end up bucketing like throwing in that bucket that you discard or is that something you still see like is it is it still on the internet <laughs> so <laughs> So wait, you're, this is, I know the tactic that you're talking about. This is like, you know, blasting, sp basically spoofing um, sin, but um, having a spoofed source IP so that all the 
Synac uh, goes to another IP, but that other IP is also something that you control, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And you're doing it for throughput purposes, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just you just trying to blast this in, get the result. You don't really yeah. care about the handshake. Yeah. We we totally see that. Yeah. Do you, uh, so, yeah. Do, is that label? Is that categorized? Uh, well, no, because it's unknowable to us. Like we don't know okay. that it's happening, but but you're still like like we still it's it's irrelevant because all the people that are going to be consuming the data are also going to be seeing that spoofed address uh -huh. lovely good oh, tonight does that does that make sense yeah, yeah that's that's interesting okay cool man nice yeah i kind of feel i don't know i feel some like like tongue-in-cheek like is there something i'm missing here no no no, 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 no. We're joking around uh, it's something both uh god day is that your name today? <laughs> yeah, that's my name today. And I, like, we've had many discussions about this and, like, the ideas of of how to get, a, basically, how to get around the barriers of these uh, hosting providers that are so willing to shut your server down. Oh, I see. Or, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, like, the hosting providers that um, you are able to do that kind of attack on are generally like you've got deadies and they've got like shitty network setups. Like it's, you're not doing it on Amazon's SDN or anything. Yeah. Right, so right, right. There was, there's, I, I've seen some DEF CON talks uh, a couple of years back where a guy described um, some really cool methods of doing similar reflection spoofed, spoofed scans to collector boxes. And I think it's a really it's a slick idea, if you can uh, if you can pull it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so there's 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 some other stuff to be said. Like I think HD did this shit like a million years ago. Basically, just like looking at like TTL values and like doing pingbacks to basically see how like routes would change and stuff like that. Like there's other really crafty active stuff that you can do to to detect spoof trap this is like a one of those hard problems right um yeah. but there's there's other stuff that is like i guess there's other cool stuff that you can do especially if, if you have an active position or if you have like other like sources from my perspective like if you're if you're the on um, kind of the defensive side or like looking to track um if you're looking to evade like i mean like there's a reason why a lot of people will spin up, you know, boxes on cloud hosting providers, blast the internet once and then tear it down and never use it again. It's because it makes people like my lives really hard. So on that, when you're, um, when, when you see traffic, a scan coming from Amazon, for example, just using Amazon as an example, <laughs> um, Amazon already, like if you run Nmap with like, you know, a sin scan, it already kills your connection and you get a warning letter um and you have to respond to so do you sort of like judge that if it's coming from one of the providers that doesn't allow scanning it's probably less malicious or no 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 no. there's nothing sexy like that like like basically like like everything is either good unknown or bad and like it's pretty hard to trip and fall into one of those buckets if you're not actually like the stick like it's signatures but they're still relatively Dur durable because like i prefer like when i'm building this stuff out like i prefer to be correct and to have less coverage than to take liberties and do like heuristics and get more coverage but have it be like more inaccurate and to have it be more evadable 
So like, it's pretty hard to get around a lot of the stuff that we do. Like, so, and it, it, which I know wasn't your question exactly, but, um, but no, whether you're coming from Amazon or something like that has no indicate bearing of whether we call something good or bad. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we have a question from um, Ian Colwater here in Voices Voice asking about how you set up your infrastructure in the cloud, which is you're describing managing quite a, a large number of nodes that are distributed all over the place. How do you actually manage something at scale? Yeah, that's a really good question. So that's like, that's another kind of talk in and of itself. At a high level, like um, uh, for a long time, I used Terraform, which is a really great um, multi like vendor. Sorry? I just said bling bling. But oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, I used Terraform for a long time. Um, that's a really great like multi-cloud, um, you know, um, tool. And then basically like, um, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of nodes and they're all going up and coming down kind of like all the time or not all of them, but a lot of them are going up and coming down all the time. Um, because we need to get an accurate picture of what the internet scanners look like. And we have to account for people that have God mode on the internet and that are figuring out ways to fingerprint where our nodes are. And so we just want to make people's lives as difficult as humanly possible who are trying to skip our stuff. Um, <laughs> so nodes, nodes are always like flying around and things are always going up and coming down and they always look different no matter like where they go. Um, so like basically like, um, Everything is custom once the server actually gets up, but to get the servers up, like for a long time, we use Terraform, which is a really great place to start. Um, somebody asked something about the backend earlier. So, um, all of the uh, all of the servers, like the whole, like almost everything, is custom, like home written that I wrote. Um, uh, certain things are like open, like well, I use certain like open source pieces of software, but like. Like I wrote a log forwarder that scans like log files and ships them off to a RabbitMQ and then gets, you know, consumed by a bunch of rabbit consumers that pulls them apart and puts certain things in Postgres and puts certain other things in Elasticsearch. And then the APIs talk to the Postgres and the Elasticsearch respectively, depending on what the um, endpoints are that it's looking for. And, 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 and all the while in between that, the data is getting enriched and um, with other data sources that we use from like a bunch of other. That's really cool. Now, we, as far as the things that you've written, are these sort of, I guess, nodes that you have deployed, are they are they just listening? Like, we're, we're trying to, to imagine how you do this, where, where you'd, do you have just like netcat? Well, it would be some nice <laughs> thing like something like where you're just listening in for pin connections, or yeah, are yeah, you yeah, not yeah. Doing so, any protocol spoofing or protocol? Yeah, spoofing yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. So, like, um, this is one of those that I have a hard time talking, blowing my secret yeah. sauce. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, do, so it's, it's e like my answer to this is like all of those. Okay. Yeah. So, like. All of those. <laughs> the answer to all of them. Yes. Well, no, that makes sense. I mean, it would be it would be in your best interest to diversify as much as possible, where no one can predict anything at all when you're doing that. To have asymmetrical, I guess, warfare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like we, like I think a bit like from like I'm the I'm a guy who scans the into these, and I also want to I like so like discovery is one part discovery attacks is one part right and then um just like protocol emulation and like all that kind of stuff is is another thing so like 
like we emulate a lot of protocols like yes and then like there's like certain other things where like it, it really just depends like with certain things like certain actors and certain like scanners and certain things like that like you have to do a lot and with others you don't really have to do much certain people will literally sling exploits to even like hosts that aren't even vulnerable to things and it's like wow thanks oh absolutely yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> so and i don't know if you want to reiterate it or not but it did i hear you say that there are some cases that you have set up where it it will interact with like a protocol yeah the kid yeah absolutely absolutely oh, oh neat good stuff how long yeah. did it take to to get yourself to a place where you you really thought this is a nice product this is a good deal i am not there yet well okay. <laughs> so i mean i'm i'm gonna say that forever yeah sure it's of it's honestly like it's better today than it's ever been and it and it kicks ass today. people pay money for like the which is great um and like, and it provides a lot of value, but like, at least like in my brain, it's providing like 25% of the value that it is going to ultimately be providing to customers. To answer your question specifically, like how long did it take? A long fucking time. Um, I built the first version of this system when in like 2010, no, 2011. Um, and I've been iterating on it since then. And I've been wrong so many times. And um, this, this is it starting to finally make sense. Um, amazing. Yeah, it's like cool. it's 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 a question I ask uh, for a variety of reasons, but one of them is uh, a pretty big focus on this show is uh, is for people that are kind of younger and starting out in tech and infosec, etc. And in uh, hearing stories like this and how like the inception to like this monster known as gray noise mm. now like a behemoth um that's really cool to hear about yeah and like honestly i didn't like i guess like my my advice to my own younger self things just start small and they just get bigger and you just like it just doesn't it doesn't resonate with people until it's the right thing and that's when you start really like traveling down that rabbit hole and like for me it wasn't really until i started looking at this system, like for every project and every system and every undertaking it's going to be completely massively different like that different that thing that actually sets it over the edge to being something that people give a shit about for gray noise it ended up being like look like it, it basically ended up being like this is this is not sexy like this, it ended up being like, this is noise. This is, this is the stuff that's hitting everybody in the whole internet. Look how much there is. Like it's everywhere. There's so much of it, right? That's basically what it was. And people were like, yeah, there is so much of it. Like, especially people who have worked as like firewall admins or IDS admins and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, you're right. There is a bunch of shit everywhere. And I'm like, I know this is the scan stuff that's hitting everybody. That was a big part of it. That just that phrasing and getting people to feel that, that way. Another part of it was like that I just started doing the labeling. I just kept waiting for people to see stuff and it to just make sense in people's heads to just be like, oh yeah, here's a log where somebody's like looking for JBoss and nothing else. And I'm like, oh, you know, like maybe this thing is a JBoss worm, right? Or, you know, things where it's like, you know, certain other things. And then I just started basically applying those labels or like this thing is coming from Shodan's ASN, right? Like maybe this is Shodan. 
maybe they're good, right? And then like putting those labels, like just starting to label it. And that ended up being what like really resonated with people. And this is like, that's like six years, seven years into like the development of this system. Um, and so it's like, you know, you just, I don't know, don't quit. Do you, do you mind I'll, me uh, what you did in the meantime? Uh, to Because obviously at a certain point, when you're first starting up, uh, your startup is never going to, it's not going to bring you money immediately. So you have to have kind of like a side thing. Do you mind me asking, uh, were, you, were you doing just general IT work at the time or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's the, there's the, the, there's two answers to that. Um, I was a pen tester and then I worked, um, I worked in cybersecurity for the lie, like since 2012 and I've been involved in cybersecurity since like 2006. Um, but I've been like in the security industry since 2012, um, as a pen tester, um, as like a broader security consultant. And then as a cybersecurity, like on a cybersecurity, uh, R and D team, uh, over at Endgame, And so I did that for a bit and then just trying to like get this thing right. And like, you know, and I tried, I even tried doing it like with some of the companies that I was working with at the time, but like, they just didn't kind of really get it the way that I got it. And like, there was politics and all kinds of other stuff. And so then eventually I was just like, nobody fucking gets this. Everyone's going to get it wrong. Like I have to do this myself. It seems I, like, hate it. I hate it, but I do. It seems like it's so, um, the best. Sorry. No other company got uh, ownership over it. Sorry. Dean. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of amped about that in, in, in retrospect. Sorry. Uh, what's up? I was just going to ask, um, is there a specific thing that like, have you, have you found stuff on the internet before other people that you've just gone like, holy shit. Like, and, um, like is, is there anything anecdotally maybe that you can, I, I appreciate if you can't answer something, but yeah. 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 I mean, I think I know what you're getting at. I remember there was one really, so, so one thing that was really neat for me, that I'm, I'm going to tell two quick stories. Um, one that was really neat is like seeing Mirai be built slowly for years before the shit hit the fan with Dying D. You guys oh, remember that? Good, this is a good story. Yeah. Tell it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, literally, like, I just remember seeing like, cause I, like, again, remember I've been building this system and rebuilding it for years. So I remember in 2013, 2014, 2015, like running all of these at the time, just honeypots and seeing like all these like very small sets of credentials being brute forced. And it was literally like password sets of like 15 passwords. And I'm like, what kind of dumbass bad guy tries to brute force somebody with 15 passwords? Like what an idiot. And then it like registered in my brain that I'm like, no, these are probably for 15 specific devices. And then it was like, Oh, probably everyone that tries to use these 15 credentials is probably owned too. And then it was like, holy shit. Like there's hundreds of thousands, like millions of these devices around the internet that are trying these same sets of credentials. And then I'm like, oh dear God, like this is a botnet, right? And then like, you know, at the time I wasn't like I was going to like run news or anything. And I didn't want to be all like chicken little, the sky's falling, but it was just like, holy shit, like this stuff is out here. Like there's, there's like, there's a lot of stuff that's happening like this. And then I think it was 2016, right? Like December or January or something like right there around, like that big ass DDoS attack happened with Dyn. It took down everybody and people were like, what is this new botnet called Mirai? And I was like, 
Hell guys, yeah. it's like, yeah. And then they're like using some new technology called Telnet and IoT devices with MIPS boards. Admin, and I was, admin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was just like, what the fuck? And this is like, so I see all of this and I like, that was one of the really cool things where it was like, this is hitting everybody and nobody gives a shit. And I see it the whole way. And to be fair, like, I didn't really understand it at the time. Like, I understand it perfectly in retrospect, but I'm seeing this all and I'm just like, this is... So the Mirai thing was fun. And then there was another thing that happened in probably 2017 where this was really cool. Um, There was a... um, It was that... that, Oh, this actually, this one's kind of tough because I feel like I might be like throwing somebody under the bus. So I'm going to be a little, like, just like a little bit vague. There was a, like a vulnerability that was released. Um, And basically there was a kind of like one of those companies that does like exploit development, right? And they, they do exploit development and vulnerability research. And they released this blog post about this um, vulnerability in an embedded system that they found. And they were like, here's this, it's a big deal, like patch your shit, like everybody do this. And then everyone patched their shit. And it was, you know, it was like, you know, uh, it was a, we'll say like, um, you know, a Linksys vulnerability. It wasn't, but we'll say it was a Linksys vulnerability, right? And so then everyone like goes and they patch their shit. So then I went back and I looked in grain noise and I, when I did a time series analysis, like it was like 30 or 60 days before this thing happened this university was scanning the internet like crazy for the port that this service ran on 30 or 60 days before this thing was released. What it ended up being was there was a three-way, there was a, there was a, there was a, a, I don't know this. What I believe happened was that basically company was like, Hey, we found this vulnerability in your piece of software, Linksys. And Linksys was like, Oh shit. And then they reached out to a university, either to a friend or a cohort, or maybe they had, you know, like staff or like a relationship or something. And they were like, look, we have no clue how bad this is going to be. Like, can you tell us? Like, we don't know how many of these devices are out there or where they are. Like, can you tell us? So then they scanned the internet for that port looking for that thing before anyone else knew about this vulnerability. And like, I could piece that all together from like a precursor to gray noise. And I was looking at it and I was like, holy shit. That's awesome. It's like uh, tracking the tracking the disclosure timeline almost yeah exactly exactly and also like so now same thing but looking forward in time because that's a lot more that's a lot more common cve comes out how long until everyone starts opportunistically exploiting it what's the opera operationalization timeline how long does it take for a cve to come out and for bad guys to look at it uh you know pull it apart really understand it well enough to weaponize it in their shitty botnet and start slinging it around everywhere, right? Because that's the amount of time that people really need to give a shit about. That's how much time you have to patch your shit before you're really owned, right? It, it seems like the sweet spot's 48 hours, right? Um, I don't know. It completely depends with everybody. A lot of it depends on media coverage. I've noticed that the more hyped that something gets, the faster the bad, like the more the bad guys work. I've also noticed that the first people to scan are always security researchers they're never bad they're never like like criminals it's always like the security that are like oh i gotta search for this real quick and then like there's like a few days or a week and then it's like the bad guys start actually exploiting it interesting yeah that's very good a good person to gauge exploit wednesday 
how legitimate is exploit wednesday um i actually don't know because so you're talking about like patch tuesday and yeah patch tuesday exploit wednesday. yeah honestly like for me like i don't know just because like patch tuesday is like mostly for like you know windows and when you think about the markup of most of the stuff that's facing the internet and you think about like pieces of software that are mostly going to be affected by that like i don't know that there's enough data to see like a good correlation um i can tell you that enough of the internet scan stuff is manual that i see sizable dips over the weekend so like there's literally people who like just don't scan the internet over the weekend as much as they do during the week as a whole yeah that's that's interesting i have absolutely no idea I guess I would guess it's because certain I would guess that for some people it's their job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. How nuts is that? Especially when you think about how easily automatable (laughs) and croned this thing is, right? But like I see stuff like that. Like there's all kind dude, there is this so the the reason, like the stuff that we're talking about right now, all of these weird nuances and unexplainable things, this is what has dragged me into this problem for so long. This is why I've been obsessed with this for so long because it's just like unlimitedly weird and complicated and fun and interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, especially the last two, fun and interesting, you get to see the craziest stuff probably on a weekly basis. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting, I've been really cool. Like I've been really lucky to have enough people looking at the data and having looked at the data long enough myself to have like chipped away at a lot of like the mysteries of of yesterday um like there have been a lot of things where like i just never understood what it was and then i learned you know through coincidence or some serendipitous exchange that oh yeah this this api endpoint or this like http path actually belongs to this embedded system and then i'm like oh fuck right um or this port actually does this thing and then now there's less you know unexplainable stuff to me at least. Um, but there's still so much like now there's all like this more unknown, unknown stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's super interesting, especially like this, like the thing that I saw really recently that I thought was super cool was, um, so VPN filter, right. You remember Cisco's Talos's VPN filter stuff. Mm -hmm. So like one of the things that was super interesting about that was it had the malware had a trigger packet. You remember? No, I do not actually. So there was a backup feature in VPN filter where if it lost control or it couldn't talk to the C2, it would sit there. The malware on the embedded system would look at the interface for a magic packet Okay. that could be spoofed. And if the magic packet came in, like it looked for like a byte sequence. And if the magic packet was seen, it would rip apart the packet to find an IP address and then it would send a shell to that IP address. Sounds like a blog post I wrote. Yes. Wait. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think. No, it's, it's, it was, it's totally unrelated, but like, yeah, I did a blog post. Okay. Am I, is my, is my foot in my mouth? No, 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 no. no. It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. Okay. Just similar topics. Okay. So yeah, like kind of like a port knock, right? I mean, like effectively that's kind of what it is. So like, so this kind of stuff is a fucking nightmare for tracking. Um, and so basically like this was interesting because that was God, however long ago, you know, six months ago, whatever. And then I just recently saw people at the CCC in Germany 
sending that packet all around the internet. What? Yeah. Why were they doing that? <laughs> like just to try and try and it, who knows? It might have been it might have been a cleanup attempt. It might have been a hijack. Who the fuck knows? That's hilarious. Absolutely uh, no idea. Um, there's a tweet, Daniel Gallagher. Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to look. I my Twitter gets too clobbered up. Yeah, but it's a very it's a it's an interesting thing that I think like magic packets. Um, I, I feel like they're underutilized. Just they, generally, yes, so. you're exactly right. I completely. I don't have a follow up to that. I just emphatically agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, magic packets and and so that the VPN filter. Uh, here we go here i got this i'm sending this to do i do to, to voiceless voice are you sending a magic yeah. packet to no yeah. <laughs> this i'm sending a tweet or like a link to a tweet He's a block quote to embed a packet <laughs> so that's the thread i think i just posted it in um in in discord if you want to put it in twitch yep it's already in there oh damn <laughs> man you guys are quick so what's um what's what's on your horizon like what's the next year or two look like for you you think oh my god um it's gonna be a long year so there's some really exciting news that i like announce yet um um that i wish i could but i can't um uh but i promise nobody's buying gray noise that's not it um oh but there's there is there is like no one people are buying it but no one's acquiring the company um so like I've got some fun news that I'm going to be announcing pretty soon um, that I'm pretty, pretty excited about. Um, so I'm hiring right now, which is really cool. Um, looking for people who are like, you know, like really like are interested in this and want to like dig through it and, you know, kind of get to the problem, get to the bottom of this problem with me. Um, like I need to turn this thing from a science project into a product and from a product into a, business and like this thing needs to like there's a broader mission that i have with gray noise which is like it started off as like something that i've been obsessed with like internet tracking internet scanners and the thing that i found is i've like traced into this thing a lot is that the magic to it actually comes from people who are like boots on the ground security analysts and you know sock analysts and you know, threat analysts and stuff like that. Like the magic comes um, when I help them like make their lives easier and make their jobs easier and like provide context on some of the stuff that they're already looking at. So that's like really made me realize like, I want this, I want this to be a product and a business around saving security people time and energy and effort and providing context at the things that they're looking at and like suplexing false positives and fucking stupid bullshit alerts because they make me want to shoot myself and they're the bane of the security industry. So for me, like what's really important for me is like, basically like I need to make this transition from, you know, hacker man to like, I actually want to build this into a business that is providing value to customers and to the security industry and the security community. And so there's just a lot of shit uh, that it's going to take to get there. It's a lot of work, a lot of stuff that you know i have no idea how to do that i'm learning um and you know i basically it's just it's going to be a lot of work like that like it's one thing to build something people 
like it, but it's another thing to, you know, to build a product and to build a product that people are willing to pay for and to build a product that people are willing to pay for that enough people pay for that you can sustain yourself as a business and, and, and to also, you know, protect yourself from competition and to also, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's hard. And so those are basically like really going from science project to an actual, you know, an actual security company. That's what's next um, for me in, a, in the macro sense. And then I guess like a little bit more specifically, like right now I'm doing, you know, known expected stuff for internet wide scan, scan and attack traffic, but I would really like to be and with domains and with other things like that. And like, I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive. It sounds weird, but like, I want to be able to provide context on normal expected, you know, non-malicious um, files and domains and things that like that's something that i think would be really valuable to be able to provide back to customers um not just you know internet wide scan stuff yeah without getting too uh infosec kind of sales pitchy mm -hmm. terminology uh i think gray noise you you have a lot of uh momentum right now mm -hmm. and you're, you're right in a sweet spot uh, and I, and like you said, there's there's a lot of different places you can go with it, and a lot of vivid, minute detail that you can go into in each of these little corners, whichever one you want to pick, whichever one you're interested in. I think there's a lot of a lot of room for some really cool growth and really cool things to come out of it. Yeah, thank you. I really agree with you too. I think that um, this is kind of mine to fuck up right now. Um, and it is, I think it's going to be really hard to, to do the right things, but I mean, I agree. I think a, this thing has resonated with a lot of people than I would have ever anticipated. And, um, I really just want to like use this the right way and like, not, you know, not, I don't want to waste the attention that it's getting and waste kind of the you know, like some of the, like the users in the community that we've built and like a lot of the, the value that we're providing. So this is a long winded way of me telling you that I agree with you and that um, I'm just, ex I'm just excited to like explore like how far this thing goes. Cause there's so much work. I was just gonna say, I think you're, uh, I think you're doing a good job. It's, uh, it's definitely caught my attention Absolutely. Uh, I can assume almost everybody in this chat has also uh, really been seeing a lot of good stuff coming out of Gray Noise. So this is uh, a good good things ahead. Yeah. God, I hope so. Absolutely. Um, and we also, yeah. uh, just uh, so we mentioned, a couple of people mentioned it, we do have the Hire a Hacker channel in our uh, Discord. So you can always post links and anybody in here who's looking for those kind of things, a lot of people are saying, but they want jobs. Um, That's great. Uh, they, I'm going to be yeah, using look it. in there because we have a lot of cool, cool shit in there um, already. We have a couple of pen testing um, gigs and stuff that have been posted recently. Take a look. Oh, should we should we ask yeah. the stereotypical question? You. What's what? the stereotypical question? Do you have to move to the Bay Area? God no. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's good. Great. But yeah, also we do have if you do want to. Uh, interact with gray noise um andrew actually just gave us the enterprise access to his api but we in our wish bot uh in discord if you join discord we have great the gray noise command which you can use to look up 
any of those weird IPs that might be in your logs and get a feel for what kind of thing it does to scan. And we will be adding additional functionality for the enterprise access um, as well. So leet.club, join our Discord community and you can play with I can't wait to put my IPs in to see which ones. Oh, you're <laughs> fucked. You're bad. <laughs> we're gonna get our own special tag. Um, <laughs> but um, are you gonna keep scanning? What was this like? Protocol one thirty-seven. One thirty-two. Yeah. One, yeah. Is that what it is? One thirty-two. Yep. I have some plans. I've been doing. So, somebody... What? Sorry. UPMP 1900. I see. So actually, I just did some digging on this because um, that tweet that you sent about UPMP, I want to yeah. affect um, the normal baseline scan traffic. So what day was that tweet? Oh, uh, let me check. I'm doing a time series analysis on it literally right now on my side. So give me one second for this slow ass API endpoint. Oh, yeah. Let's do this live. All right. Uh, let, me, let me see when I posted it. <laughs> um it was on the fourth january 4th all right this api endpoint hasn't loaded yet but it's a maximum of reset this uh, postgres database this, this table isn't um indexed so that's why oh uh, no worries yeah january 4th at 2 40 a.m a very healthy time uh <laughs> for somebody to be awake on the Witching hour. oh yeah oh yeah huge <laughs> jump hang on so um <laughs> we have like a 4x increase this is really cool a sustained 4x increase um okay so it looks like we had on one one we had 88 unique ips that scanned the internet for upnp on one three we had 74 and then on one four we had 201 <laughs> Um, and it looks like it's sustained over into the next few days because um, oh, it's been funny. it's been up since then, um, but not up that much higher. So it looks like, uh, and it went down by 100 the next day, but then it went up by 200 the next day, and then up by another 100 the next day. So yeah, like basically there has been a, because of your oh this is here we go this so there have not been as many people scanning the internet for UPnP right now since oh my god in like months <laughs> so there you go do you, is there is there like a graphical chart or anything yeah here we go that would be hilarious. oh in in month in month wonderful yeah so I mean, we, there's a noticeable uptick in people that's cool. I, at least people are exploring it, and and you know it's that's kind of one of those those gray areas, right? Um, but it's a it's an area that it it's been wide open since I think two thousand six. Oh, are we talking about UPnP right now? Yeah. Oh God. It, you know, and uh, yeah, go ahead. As long as I can remember, like when the the switch from. Uh the the modems the adsl modems and cable modems that would terminate uh the connection on your machine to terminating on a router that's like as long as i can remember like at, ab at about that time the time it was deemed necessary yeah i uh, oof. it's it's a bad problem korea seems to be the worst though like they that was the one that was where all the um chromecast too right 
Yeah, yeah. Korea's router or Korea's ISPs, um, whatever hardware they're handing out is garbage. Yeah, this is funny. That's I'm looking at everybody in voiceless voice hitting the gray noise API right now. This is hysterical. <laughs> but you should see what we do in bot fuzzing. <laughs> oh god. Oh yeah, that's a good channel. I don't want to know, man. <laughs> The bot, the bot uh, actually fuzzes other bots. Yeah, we have we have a bot that uh, can can fuzz uh, fuzz anything. So yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, we have another four minutes left here on the stream. Is there anything else that you want to uh, touch on or shout out before we go, Andrew? Thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, huge shout out to like all the Gray Noise user community and the Gray Noise. Um, everybody who's sitting in our Slack channel and like that keeps me going on a daily basis um, because I've been working by myself for quite some time. Um, like huge shout out to the people who scan the internet that make this whole thing, make the internet so noisy to make this whole thing possible. Um, honestly, like just thank you guys for having me. That's awesome. Absolutely. Coming on, man. Yeah, cool. Awesome to uh, hear about like all. The things oh yeah and i mean i'm always around so like if this is probably going to spawn a lot more follow-up questions so you guys can hit me up and anybody that's i'm so ridiculously accessible like you can it's just really really easy to find me um and find my email and to find my twitter account and all that like for better or worse like people send me some fucking weird shit but anyways um I'm so I'm super easy to find. Like, come and find me. Like, hit me up if you have any questions about any of this stuff, or if you just want to nerd, I'm always happy to talk about it. And if you have any questions about anything I've said here, or you want to just brainstorm stuff, like, super, you know, always, always happy to to do that. Um, you know, hit me up anytime. Anybody on in this room, or just anybody listening to this. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Nice. Great talk. Anyone uh, listening to this now on iTunes as well? Thanks, Pico. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the big thing we had to announce. We are on iTunes, and if you have any podcast apps, you can search for Thug Crowd and uh, find us through the iTunes. We have a couple of audio things to just fix up, but we'll be regularly posting stuff there now, um, thanks to Pico. And if anybody else who is interested in doing audio work as well to help us be a, uh, a top-tier podcast, uh, you can totally hit us up at uh, Club. Come to our Discord, um, hang out, tweet at us, do whatever. Um, we we out here. Um, so yeah. Uh, before we go, actually, I commit felonies is here, and he. I'm not sure if his microphone works, but he and uh, Jack Hyde are going to be on next week to talk about physical pen testing, which is going to be really cool because they both have some amazing stories. Yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, I know that Jack has some pretty good stories. He's been stacking up, and I've never really, I've never really done this whole podcast thing before. So I mean, I've, I've got a lot of very interesting stories. I'm just trying to weed through the ones that are more appropriate to discuss and in what detail, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, sure, there's a lot of uh, tiptoeing you have to do. A little, a little bit, man. But most of those NDAs have timed out, you know. So we'll see. <laughs> Can't talk about the new stuff, but the old stuff is uh, is able to be spoken of a little less uh, cautiously. I like your old That's stuff better than you used. We got, yeah, we got... man. I was a fan. I was a fan before that. You know, I can found his name five of his best pen test engagements. Do what? 
No, I'm just saying, are you really a fan of I Commit Felonies? Name five of his best pen test engagements. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gate, you know, being a jerk. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thanks, to Andrew, for coming on. Thanks, to everybody, for hanging out and watching. We had a lot of uh, awesome people uh, following and subbing and all that. Uh, keep it going. Um, you guys can find us on Twitter at, at ThugCrowd. Uh, subscribe to us here on Twitch. Patreon, um, everywhere. You find us Instagram. Follow us like John McAfee did. Um, try to get John McAfee on with us. So we are working on that as well. Um, but yeah, we will be here next week. And anybody have any last words before we get off the air? Welcome yeah. to 2019. Yeah. Do crime. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Do the podcast, download podcast on Apple iTunes, get us bumped up on the charts. Do it, do it, do it. Yes. Also, uh, you guys can stop liking the Steakum tweet. I don't think that they're going to bump it. We got quite a lot of likes, though. Uh, so. Yo, did Arby's ever pay you for saying that, that uh, they sponsored us? Or is no. that, that's not how that works. We weren't supposed to yeah. say it. That's right. Damn it. They didn't sponsor us for saying that they were now lead free and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are, we're, we're likely never going to get sponsored. So we rely on you guys to be our awesome fans. Uh, so thanks everybody for hanging out and listening. I love you. <laughs> Come hang out on Discord. We'll be in voice. See you later.